Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. On this episode, we're talking about softball, the Lion King, and Plato's Cave, naturally, right? I received these two letters from listeners that felt like they were really asking similar questions, and so I'm going to answer those first together and then individually as well. So reminder, you can also write in your questions or dilemmas, and then about once a month I try to respond to as many as I can here on the podcast. I love hearing your specific situation. So much of the time, what you are going through is universal, and we really all benefit from hearing your story. All right, so let's get started. Dear Elise, I am stuck in a relationship with my mom that feels really conditional, and I'm just now realizing that it's probably been this way my entire life. And now that I am a mother, I realize that that's kind of messed up, right? Like whose mom has conditions on how much love or generosity or kindness they give out? My mom. And it's plaguing me. I'm trying my hardest to forget about it as if I never realized it and to go back to my blissful, ignorant relationship with her. And now every time I ask for help, which is never BTW, but when I do, I am very aware that she'll probably only say yes if I do blank first. And yes, my findings keep coming up true. And I don't know if I even want to talk to her or grow our messed up relationship. She has this with my sisters too, but not my brothers. It's so upsetting. Have you ever run into this with your therapy? Or maybe you have a relationship that's similar. I wish it was one of those relationships where I'm the one giving and she's the one taking. I can deal with that. But it's next level when I'm exhausting myself trying to please her constantly if I want even a smidge of her love. SOS. Signed, Misconditionality. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. The second letter I received was handwritten, swoon, and I'm just going to read a portion of his letter. Dear Elise, I have really enjoyed your podcast. Powerful, moving, and wise are the first three words that come to mind. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and courage. Some topics that I think would be interesting. Creating emotional boundaries with people or family that you can't make physical distance and boundaries with. And he continues on some topics, and I'm going to answer those on a different episode. And he signs, sincerely, handwritten, and hung up. Okay, first, everyone, we are all coming off the holidays, so many of these primary relationships have just been highlighted, if you will. You know, the rest of the year, we can kind of pack those feelings away until all the holiday obligations hit, and then we have to do our best to behave ourselves, sort of, right? And so these letters are probably hitting home for many of us right now. I'm going to tell you about a very important lesson I learned, a life lesson playing softball. Shout out to my coach, Rick, for teaching me everything I know. (laughs) The background of the story is this. My birthday's in October, and so back in the good old days, I made the cutoff to go to school early, so I was one of the youngest in my grade, 
but the cutoffs for sports were different. And so when I was the youngest in class, I was usually kind of one of the oldest on the field. Let me also tell you that I was the awkward tall girl, okay? So awkwardly tall that a parent from the other team actually requested my birth certificate because they thought we were stacking our team. And sports were really my salvation growing up, specifically softball. There was something about the smell of the dirt, the camaraderie of the team, I don't know, the chance to smash a ball. I loved it. And let me also say that my family was on the dysfunctional side of dysfunctional. And so showing up somewhere where there was order and positions and a lineup and where it was good to release aggression, hello salvation. And since I was the tall girl, I had a coach with enough foresight to stick me on first base because I had some serious reach. His words to me, don't let them move you off your mark. I understood what that meant. Under no circumstances was I to lift my foot off the bag. I could break my neck stretching for a ball, but I had to stay connected to that base. That was how I was going to make the out. I loved playing first base. And so let me tell you what this has to do with your mom and your family members. Sometimes, when we get around our special people, we get moved off our mark. Okay, We alter ourselves in response to them. We contort, cower, convert. We stop being ourselves when they are there. And maybe out of self-preservation or some anxiety or defensiveness or just plain crazy patterns, but we change. We let them set the pace, the beat, the dance music, and then we just go. If she is conditional, we become conditional. If they lack boundaries, we can either firm up real hard and become harsher than we really are, or we also end up lacking boundaries and feel put out because we don't know how to respond to their steamrolling. We let them move us off our mark. So I want you to do something with me. Answer this. Who are you? What kind of person are you? Are you kind, considerate, aware, strong? Think about your qualities. Now get out there on your base and don't let them move you off your mark. Do you hear that? Don't let them make you into someone you're not. You know, I think that is often the most frustrating experience with these family members is that we can feel shame over becoming something we're not. We can feel angry and frustrated or feel things towards this person that are out of character for us. It can be very disorienting and can feel pretty powerless See, what's happening is when you focus more on who they are and what god-awful thing they're doing now, your foot comes off the bag. Under no circumstances are you to lift your foot off that bag, right? Okay, there's two pieces of film I want us to consider in this conversation as well. One's an oldie but a goodie about the circle of life, and the other about a future dystopian society. First, The Lion King, obviously. It's when Rafiki tells Simba, remember who you are. This, this admonition, this prophecy, this invocation was what set him on course to live out of who he really is, rather than out of his fears about himself, rather than out of the way his family had treated him, rather than out of his shame, his past. No, he was told to remember who he really was and to live from that place. So you too 
Remember who you are. Keep your eyes fixed on that. And don't let anyone move you off your mark. The second piece of media is from The Handmaid's Tale. If you have not read this slash seen it on Netflix, stop everything, read it, watch it, do yourself that favor. This is the line I want you to hear and commit to memory. In the movie, it's in Latin and it's scratched at the bottom of the closet. The translation is this. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Okay? Your mom is who she is. Your family members are who they are. Don't let that reality make you like them. Hold on to who you are. The dissonance you are experiencing with them is evidence of your growth and difference from them. Hold on to that. To handwritten and hung up, I'm going to borrow something from Rob Bell's podcast. It's episode 170 if you want to give it a listen. You are the committee. Let me say that again. You are the committee and you can set as many boundaries as you like. It's your life. What I'm wondering is, what is it you want some space from? And what is keeping you from doing that? Okay, I know, and I mean I know, family is complicated. So my general rule, when you have to say no to something, give another opportunity for a yes. It might sound something like this. Ah, you know, we can't do dinner tonight, but how does next Thursday sound? You know, people who lack boundaries need something to hold on to or they're going to keep hammering at you, right? So give them something to hold on to, even if it is next week or next month or next year. Also, know ahead of time what you want to say yes to and what is a definite no. And if in the moment you're floundering because they won't stop pressuring you for an answer, tell them you need to get back to them. Check with your spouse or when in doubt, blame it on the baby. In all seriousness, though, you won't regret the boundaries you set. Your time is precious. Protect it. Misconditionality. You are not alone. Many of us have moms who are conditional. And now that you have seen this, you cannot unsee this. It is the curse of awareness or enlightenment. And there is an ancient allegory, Plato's Cave, that applies to your relationship with your mom and to many of our difficult family members. I'm going to give you a brief rundown, and you can also Google Plato's Cave if you want to read the whole thing in his book, The Republic. Side note, there are so many lessons to be gleaned from this historical example, and I am sure that this is not exactly what Plato had in mind, uh, my interpretation, but nevertheless, I love the story so much, okay? Here's a bare bones Cliff Notes rendition. Listen and see what sticks out to you. This is circa 514 AD, and Plato is throwing out there some things he has come to realize about the human condition. He realizes that the general run of humankind can think and speak without any awareness of his realm of forms. Okay, so the allegory of the cave is supposed to explain this. In the story, Plato likens people untutored to the theory of forms, read, not woke, to prisoners chained in a cave unable to turn their heads. All they can see is the wall of the cave. Behind them burns a fire. Between the fire and the prisoners, there's this parapet along which puppeteers can walk. The puppeteers, who are behind the prisoners, hold up puppets that cast shadows on the wall of the cave. 
The prisoners are unable to see these puppets, the real objects that pass behind them. What the prisoners see and hear are shadows and echoes cast by objects they do not see. So I, I posted a picture of this cave on Instagram if you want a visual. But the prisoners would mistake appearance for reality. They would think the things they see on the wall, the shadows, were real. They would know nothing of the real causes of the shadows. So when the prisoners talk, what are they talking about? If an object, let's say a book, is carried past behind them and it casts a shadow on the wall and a prisoner says, I see a book, what is he talking about? He thinks he is talking about a book, but he is really talking about a shadow. But he uses the word book. Okay, stay with me here. What is he referring to? Plato's point is that the prisoners would be mistaken, for they would be taking the terms in their language to refer to the shadows that pass before their eyes, rather than, as is correct, the real things that cast the shadows. If a prisoner says, that's a book, he thinks that the word book refers to the very thing he is looking at. But he would be wrong. He is only looking at a shadow. The real referent of the word book, he cannot see. To see it, he would have to turn his head around. Plato's point, the general terms of our language are not names of the physical objects that we can see. They are actually names of the things we cannot see, things that we can only grasp with a mind. When the prisoners are released, they can turn their heads and see the real objects, and then they realize their error. They can go through this painful process of enlightenment by climbing up through this back entrance of the cave. And so what the prisoners learn is that their experience of the shadows are only what they knew prior to enlightenment. To leave the cave, to turn around, and leave everything they have ever experienced as real, true, safe, requires an unprecedented amount of courage, determination, and strength. The experience of actually climbing out of the darkness, the process of enlightenment, as Plato refers to it, is painful, disorienting, and requires a certain amount of time to acclimatize to the new environment. Okay, that's a lot, I know, but let me, let me put my spin on it like this. You, misconditionality, have left the cave. And it is painful and confusing when you realize that you have only been looking at shadows and calling that real. It is excruciating to come to terms with the fact that what you have always known to be true, to be the thing, to be family or mother-daughter connection or unconditional love, is only a shadow. This is the process of realization, of seeing. And once you see, you cannot unsee. Let's take this a step further. Not everyone turns around and walks out of the cave. Some people prefer the comfort of what they already know of the shadows that they call form, and even though unchained, choose to sit in the cave. And when you, now that you have seen the real thing, in this case, loved your own children without condition, when you try to apply this enlightenment to your original relationship with your mom, 
who is only looking at shadows. She is unable to see what you see, to feel what you feel. She cannot hold the real form. And in fact, she will potentially feel angry and threatened by you telling her that there is more. Although these feelings will not be something she is aware of, she will act out of them. She cannot hold that there is more behind her. For if she does, then what does that mean of the relationships she has always had? What does that say about her as a mother? And so she will refuse what you are looking for from her. She only knows the shadow, sweet friend. And you are the real deal. Even though it has cost you something to see this, isn't it so much more beautiful to love in freedom beyond condition or contingencies? And who knows, now that you are on the other side, you might look back at her and be moved in compassion for her shadowy existence. You know, if you were sitting here with me today, I would play you a song. I would turn it up loud and tell you to listen to these words, to let the song pour over you and to let it be your anthem. It's empty in the valley of your heart The sun, it rises slowly as you walk Away from all the fears and all the faults you've left behind The harvest left no food for you to eat You cannibal, you meat-eater, you see But I've seen the same, I know the shame in your defeat you choke on the noose around your neck and I'll find strength in pain and I will change my ways I'll know my name as it's cold again Take what is yours and I'll take mine Now let me at the truth which will refresh my broken mind So tie me to a post and block my ears I can see where those orphans through my tears And know my call despite my faults and despite my Understand dependence when you know the maker's land. So make your sirens call and sing all you want. I will not hear what you have to say, cause I need freedom now and now. 
Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.